Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Fresh Out the Podcast, the only podcast featuring three three white guys. It's me, Casualty CDG. I'm the second white guy on this podcast. I'm John Anand. Me too. And I am the professional media and movie mastermind, the fun house, Drew Munhausen. And um, Jahan always catching us off guard with the intros as per usual. Um, But guess what? This is episode 76, fresh out the podcast. It is Tuesday, February 28th. It is the eve of uh, The Mandalorian premieres tomorrow. You know what sucks about that is that means that I should have paid rent today and forgot. Uh oh. Uh oh. You don't get get a grace period. You don't get a late fee until after the first. So I'm gonna have to zip on over to the bank inside the Albertsons and take care of this rent payment. Sounds to me like your rent is due on the first then. (laughs) My man. (laughs) You know it's funny because like Mandalorian seemed like so long ago they announced that March first. Uh, premiere date and months ago i assumed a while back it was probably going to premiere in february and then it was march 1st and that just seems so far away so it's kind of crazy that now that's tomorrow uh we are quickly hurtling towards the end of all things true yeah almost true. everybody <laughs> survived until the mandalorian release which is really good um however hayden pantier's brother did not survive and he will not see the season three premiere of mandalorian that is unfortunate. Did, did I did see oh, that news. That's unfortunate. This is the best um, way to learn celebrity news, I think. The, it is, um, as I mentioned earlier, it is Tuesday. Um, so just as a bit of housekeeping, I wanted to note, we have a new recording schedule that I think is going to work out well for us and for listeners. Because with our new schedule, we will be streaming our show live on Tuesdays. Um, the episodes will be on in your audio feeds on Wednesday mornings. And the nice thing about this is we will now be recording weekly. Um, you know, if those that have been listening to the shows from the beginning know that we used to record every other Saturday night, a lot of times we would record two episodes in a night. And so um, it was just a lot in a night. And then we were always kind of a week behind, or we'd always have an episode that was you know, maybe not as timely, um, but that's just how what worked best for us at that time. And we were a new show and, you know, trying to get started. And now we're at a place where we can do this and hopefully it means some um, more consistency for us. You know, I can't guarantee there might be weeks that we miss things happen. Life happens. But I think that this is going to work well for us and um, and keep us a little bit more timely, which I'm excited about. Right. Any any it'll notes from us, you all? It'll keep us fresh, Drew. There you go. Keep keep it fresh. Actually, speaking of keeping it fresh and out the box and out the podcast, when I was writing uh, some news items in our, our Google Doc for this episode, I put news to unpack because I just I was like, I thought that was clever because, you know, it's fresh out the box, unpacking the box, <laughs> unpacking the news of the week. News to unpack. Right. You're getting, you're getting really excited. You, you also wrote under my section uh, of things to talk about saggy balls. 
So that was that that was just crazy. My um, dog actually jumped on my desk and walked across the keyboard, and that's just what happened to be typed out. That is the craziest thing. That, that is, is crazy. That's crazy, but the chance in that is just, I guess, in hindsight, it's a 100% chance, but the chance of it not in hindsight would have been, like, one in a gazillion. Because, as you as you both know, like, I'm obviously more mature than that. I'm way above. Uh, uh, that's fair. Typing ball jokes under Jahan's I wouldn't use the word mature. I would say if more any... geriatric. Hmm. If any of the three of us would would be typing in balls jokes, it wouldn't be you, right? You're, you're See, definitely it, the last. It's always the last one you suspect, though. So obviously, it was Drew. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. So I uh, I saw on Twitter this past weekend. So obviously, last week we had our big Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumania discussion. I think we talked Ant Man and the Wasp. I actually Quantumania. think you'll find it was quite small, Drew. Ah, see, see what you did there. Um, <laughs> no, but we talked about it at length. And, you know, we noted on our show uh, that it was just there was a lot of just CG, you know, gobbledygook. CG, just a lot of CG aye, stuff aye, 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 aye. blowing at you. Right. And so, you know, obviously with the MCU, the the real big film enthusiasts like this hardcore cinephiles the ones that really love to uh just kind of shit on like the mainstream what's popular you know they're anti-mcu that kind of thing they've it's always been a a narrative for the past couple years now of like oh the marvel movies they're just blockbuster cg grossness you know they have a, a bad aesthetic to them so on but it started this movement of people posting clips from like phase one Marvel movies, um, like Captain America, the first Avenger and things and being like, remember when they used to make Marvel movies like this? And it would just be like, they would actually have some practical effects and things in it, like from Captain America and such. And it's just, it's become so tired. Like these are the movies that these, you know, the, the MCU haters used to shit on along with all the rest of them, but now they're trying to like reclaim these early ones as being good because the newer ones are, are kind of the, the hive mind has claimed them as being like a level below. Um, but just my, my counter to that is, you know, we've progressed these stories enough where we're now and we're literally spent an entire movie in the quantum realm. Like, please explain to me how this is being done practically, not with CG. I mean, I get it. It's a little overdone, messy, maybe parts of it looking a bit unpolished. But just, like, do we like these movies? Do we not? Like, obviously, the hardcore MCU fans like all these movies. But it's it's just strange. There's always a new film narrative, and then people jump on it, and it was so annoying. It was bugging me all weekend. Yeah, they usually... did, did you happen to see anything like this, John? I've seen, man, I've seen a lot of these bad opinions going around. Uh, but I don't know. It's It seems that... I mean, critics just follow the trends, man. They all... They're, a lot of them are saying the same thing. Uh, the ones I like to listen to... Uh, they they tend to follow their own beat and you know they they have more nuanced discussion. Uh, my favorite my favorite movie talkers right now are uh, Jay Stubes, uh, like Straw Hat Goofy. They have better opinions, fresher opinions. Uh, he's leaning a little more mainstream, but anyways, I mean, I, it's easy for them like like you said to talk trash about the beginning movies and then use them as an example for why the new ones are bad because 
like, they don't believe in anything, you know? It's easy to switch your stance when your opinions are all just, you know, filling the air. Like, it's not... They, they don't mean what they say. They have no conviction in it. They just want to have an opinion. And so they're able to very easily shift with the trends because uh, they don't have integrity? I don't know. I don't want to be yeah, too that's mean. that's right. Call them spineless... Yeah, they're a bunch of spineless little. Hey, if you're if you're a MCU critic, I'll fight you. Yeah, <laughs> Twitter has just yeah. become the place where it's like the only way you're gonna get a thought out there is if it's a blazing, scorching hot take in the first place, and then even if it it's counter to something that you've said previously, and then they'll just defend it. Yeah, light <laughs> light a dumpster on fire, roll it into the street. People will look at it. It's, mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. Uh, so my, I don't like to read a lot of reviews. I just get my news from you guys or from my friends. I don't sit around reading critics or what anyone has to say about anything because I don't give a shit. Uh, so the extent of what I do is I'll just Google the movie. Yeah. And uh, Google's made it real easy now to just look at over on the right side. You have IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, Metacritic, and what Google users think about it. So I take the first three with a grain of salt knowing that these are critics and they have opinions that they think matter and they're trying to be artsy and thoughtful and smart. All of those. The first three are people who are trying to maybe judge a movie on its quality and not necessarily what it was supposed to be. Uh, And then the Google review is people who liked the movie or hated it so much they went to Google to thumbs down it. Uh, so you got to take that one with a grain of salt because it's sort of skewed by people who liked it. And so I, I just Google the movie. I look at those results and I'm like, okay, well, it's probably just a little bit lower than the Google rating, but surely it's not as bad as the critics say. And and, and that's it. No more research needed from me. Uh, and I think, honestly, I just, I, while we were talking, I did Ant-Man. Uh, it's at a f- 6.5 IMDb, 48% Rotten Tomatoes, 48% Metacritic, and then jumps way up to 82% on Google. So it goes basically from 50 to 80. And the truth is, yeah, it's probably in the middle there somewhere. It's probably a 70 or so. Uh, so so that that's, you know, I, then I don't have to hear all the haters and see how they're trying to compare the Phase 1 movies. It's what was that Rotten Tomatoes wild. for Quantumania, the user reviews versus the critic reviews? Is that on there? Then you actually have to click on it. And go to Rotten Tomatoes. But if you do that, if you do that extra research, that one extra click, it does show 4883, uh, which is about what Google's is. Google's showing 82. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. It's always interesting. There's always a new MCU debate. And any new MCU movie reignites the debate. And now we're at the point where there's three or four MCU movies a year. So it just, it's like pretty much constant. (laughs) In response so I understand to why it, people get burnt out um, on it. In response to it being a CGI just cluster, I, only Ant-Man, well, just a couple characters, are allowed to, allowed to tell stories like that where you're either in deep space or you're in a quantum zone. Uh, so I think there's a spot for movies like that to exist in the Marvelverse, and people are always going to crap all over them for being a horrible CGI mess, but they like have to be. You know, it, it's... They are, those are the characters that do that. Sometimes characters aren't walking around on the street. Sometimes they go to the quantum verse, and you know it's not going to be as real. It's not going to look as good, and it's probably not going to hold up as your favorite movie. Uh, but it moved the plot along because the villain was stuck in the quantum verse. That, that's sort of the whole point of it all. 
And right. now he's made it all the way to Marvel Snap. So oh really? Is he is he snapping now? He is snapping. He he came out today, uh, the oh, last day of February. Uh, King the Conqueror playable Marvel Snap. He's weird. Uh, he's a five cost that has zero power, and he like you play him, and then you get to see what your opponent did that turn, and then the turn gets canceled. Uh, and it rewinds time, so you have to do the turn again without King. I'm really shocked that he wasn't already a playable card. That's actually really interesting. I wonder if from the beginning they held him back because they knew. I think so because could, because right now he is with, with the movie. Right now it's Quantumania theme snap, uh, and you they got Modok. Uh, they have a bunch of Ant Man and Wasp skins, and then Stature also just got released, um, mm. and boom, Kang. So and they did the same thing around. Wakanda Forever. Yeah. That was remember that. Shuri and Black Panther and Shuri's Lab, the new base, came out. So yeah, they're they're timing their stuff pretty well with the cinematic universe. Uh, I think that's a lot of fun. It's it's pretty cool. Um Guess you've still speaking, been snapping then. Speaking yeah, of uh, I I haven't I've not been snapping, I have to admit. I, I took a little hiatus with the last um uh uh, uh pass, like uh why can I think of words? Uh, um, Last season pass, yeah. Yeah, season pass. I wanted to say battle pass. That's what's like hammered into my mind. Um, I wanted to take a break, and then I haven't jumped back into it. So I haven't seen any of the Ant-Man and the Wasp stuff. But now y'all talking about it has kind of reignited me. So I might jump I haven't stopped. In. I've slowed down a bit. But, I mean, it's mostly because work. Can't really play at yeah. work anymore. So. Jahan and I played the other night uh and we played i think three or four games and he beat me in every single game back to back to back to back and it was a lot of fun for me i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry i i don't I, I don't i've never shown mercy before in anything he has the heart of the cards man if you I do have play games with Jahan in real life you'll just understand what that means do you know about the heart of the cards drew I mean, your title literally is the board game guru and game master extraordinaire. So, I suppose you're just living up to your namesake. Yeah, one of my one of my one of my powers is the literal heart of the cards from Yu-Gi-Oh. All you have to do is believe. That's all you have to do. And I forgot that's how you explain it. It's so <laughs> frustrating. Kayvon and I have played games against him for years, and that's his only response every time. And every time we I... just we're just like son of a bitch that makes it worse i don't it's understand like, you have to believe you really do just have to believe i've done it i've if done it before said nothing it would be better than <laughs> uh, my my girlfriend's mom thinks that i cheated games because we were playing uno dos and like it was at the very end and like i was about to win but i had to draw like a specific card <laughs> and, and so i top decked it didn't look at it held it up to her face and said that i win <laughs> and she just thought that i was cheating i was like nope it's gotta believe you just gotta believe in the heart of the cards i believe in the heart of the cards man it's very real speaking very of believing i'm gonna use that as a segue to talk about um my wards corner for a little bit just because uh, there are a few... Because you believe and major... then you achieve. Yeah, I get it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. See? You got it. Um, <laughs> there are a few major developments in the awards race over the weekend. Um, if you could call it that, developments. They had both the Producers Guild Awards and the Screen Actors Guild Awards took place over this past weekend. And 
you know, these are more award shows that really show who the, you know, the front runners are probably going to be for this upcoming awards race that we've been talking about for a while or that I've been talking about for a while. And y'all are very kind enough to listen to me ramble about it. Um, the Producers Guild Awards are particularly interesting because the film that wins Best Picture at the Producers Guild Awards, I believe since 2009, the film that won at the Producers Guild Awards went on to win the Academy Award for Best Picture, with the exception of, like, I think three different movies. So it's, like, pretty, you know, it's a, a pretty safe bet. Um, and everything all everywhere all at once did win the Producers Guild Award for Best Picture. And not only that, but then it won the Screen Actors Guild Award for Best Ensemble, which is their top award. So it's won the Directors Guild Award. It won the Producers Guild. It won the Screen Actors Guild. The only one um, it hasn't won yet is the Writers Guild Awards, which is because those haven't happened yet. So it really seems like a pretty surefire bet that everything, everywhere, all at once is winning the Oscar this year for Best Picture. Um Worth noting at the Screen Actors Guild Awards, it dominated the awards categories as well. The the acting awards. Uh, Michelle Yeoh won. Uh, Ki Huy Kwan won. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis won for Supporting Actress, Supporting Actor, and Best Actress, uh, respectively. And Brendan Fraser took home the Screen Actors Guild Award for Best Actor. So the, the acting awards are kind of still all over the place because Angela Bassett had won some of the supporting actress awards previously uh for black panther wakanda forever um kate blanchett's been winning some of the best actress awards we've seen colin farrell and austin butler win best actor so like a lot of the acting awards are really up in the air which i think is pretty fun because it's it's been a while since there have been that much uh i want to call it chaos but it's more of excitement um but the one sure bet as of right now seems that everything, everywhere, all at once is winning Best Picture. Really hope, I really hope it does, man. I'm glad I finally... I was waiting to watch it, like, with my people. And, like, we just never sat down and watched it. And uh, I finally just said, screw it, watch it on my own. And, man, that was such a great movie. Uh, I can't believe that there's a movie that might win Best Picture in which the girl from, what, Broad City... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uses a Pomeranian on a leash as a meteor weapon. Uh, <laughs> ah, Jenny Slate, yes. Yeah, Jenny Slate. Marcel the Shell herself. Oh my god, dude. Uh, that, I mean, all the fight scenes. Uh, the movie does prominently feature a butt plug at one it, point, too. It features several inserted butt devices, yes. Uh, and Pretty like sure Jamie Lee Curtis has hot dogs for hands. Yeah, that too, they had hot dogs for hands. It's, I don't know, but it's great. <laughs> have you seen it yet, Gary? Yes, I did. I, I rented it and watched it, and I remember liking it. Uh, I But at the time, I... You know, it was far away from the Oscar race, and I never had the thought this is an Oscar movie. And uh, it's very strange to me now that it's here, and I remember liking it, but maybe I need to watch it again. Uh, I definitely I'm, need to watch it again. I'm right there with you, Gary. Like, I saw this back you know, months ago, when I, for, I can't remember, like March or April, whenever it was out in theaters, and uh, I liked it a whole lot, but I did not walk away from that going, like, oh, that's winning Best Picture, or that's going to be in the awards race. Um and I, now here we are, and I'm glad it is. I'm excited for it. Um, I don't even think I had it in... It was an honorable mention for me when we did our top fives, but it wasn't even in my top five. I don't know if it would have been 
in my top 10. Um, but I'm happy to see it. Like, I think it's a, a pretty cool movie to be winning Best Picture, potentially. It could always be upset. There could always be a surprise, but it, it's just looking pretty clear as day right now. So we'll see if I have they to have eat those words steam. later. They have a lot of steam. Does does, um, which actually the funny thing about the Screen Actors Guild Awards. The, get ready. This is another segue. Um, the Screen Actors Guild Awards have previously aired on TNT and TBS. I think that goes uh, pretty under the radar for a lot of people. Like I like watching the Screen Actors Guild Awards, but they are for sure not watched by masses by any means. I think the ratings last year were so, below 2 million people watched it. Um, but TNT TBS got rid of the television rights to the Screen Actors Guild Awards and Netflix actually picked up the rights to be able to air the awards show in the future beginning with this year and um, however they did not have their streaming service set up to be able to actually stream it live on Netflix itself so it was on Netflix's YouTube channel um, where it got like I think a million and a half viewers so really not that far down from what it got on television before and then in the future they'll stream it which is kind of interesting because these award shows have always been made into like a Sunday night event on TV, um, but not a streaming event. And I think that as a streaming event, these award shows could potentially do a lot better and be seen by more people, which for me is exciting. Um, and there were no commercial breaks, which just meant there were more montages and things, which for people like me, I'd like give me all the film montages. It's great. Uh, but that being said, speaking of Netflix live streamed events, this coming weekend on Saturday is Netflix's first live streamed comedy special with oh Chris boy. Rock. Yeah, so um, it's kind of interesting because we've talked about all the streamers for so long on this show, too. And it's something we're going to see more of, right? Like we're seeing the streamers getting into sports. You got Thursday Night Football on, on Amazon Prime video. You've got baseball on on Apple TV Plus. Yeah. Um, YouTube TV, I believe, got the rights to um, NFL Sunday ticket in the future. So like we're just going to start seeing more sporting events pop up on streaming and all the streamers are going to be vying for those TV rights. Like half of Peacock is WWE right now. They have a live WWE 24-7 channel, which took the WWE network over, plus all the network stuff is in its own subcategory. Yeah, so eventually, is there going to be a world where we're scrolling down Netflix and click the MLB section for all of the baseball's greatest hits and current games? What I'm looking for Apple TV now has a a tab for MLB, so... I, I'm looking forward to when it comes full circle and you can just get the Netflix channel on your satellite package. <laughs> they, I mean, Gary, you make a good point. Peacock had, you know, because NBC does Sunday Night Football, Sunday Night Football streams on Peacock. So, yeah, like we're seeing all those things start to happen. And now they're getting into the live event business. I think Disney Plus back in, oh, in November, December, I can't remember, they, they, live streamed an Elton John concert that then was available to stream after that, but it was live the night it premiered. And now that's, what's going to happen here. We're going to start seeing it more and more as the streamers yes, almost become Peacock's been streaming. Peacock's been streaming the premium live events for WWE for like six months now. I didn't even really put that together, but they've been live streaming. It's funny that Netflix is behind the game and Peacock's Peacock beat them to live streaming on that one. 
It's going to be interesting to see what Netflix picks up. You know, Disney Plus was huge internationally because they had cricket rights, which is huge overseas. Um, and and so we didn't get that here as much, but that was was huge. So yeah, they they are going to start airing these things as as the streamers continue to turn more into cable TV is what it feels like. But yeah, um, so that being said, huge comedy special on Netflix with Chris Rock. It's live, I think, for us Central Time. It's at nine o'clock. So for what is that for you, Gary? Eight o'clock. Sure. On uh, on Saturday, it will be his first major appearance. I mean, he's been doing shows and stuff, but his first like really big publicized appearance ever since the Oscars last year with the. Um, the slap itself. So I am curious to see, will y'all be tuning in to a live comedy special, Chris Rock on Saturday? Probably not, but maybe <laughs> it depends on yeah. what I have going on. Yeah. Also probably not, but maybe, but it's not to say that I wouldn't tune into live events in the future. In fact, when you were talking about the screen actors guild, there's way more of a chance that I would watch that show live streamed on Netflix uh, and and more likely for me to watch that than the Chris Rock special. Like I'm definitely not going to watch Screen Actors Guild now, and I probably won't watch Chris Rock now. But knowing that you would watch the Screen Actors Guild show, I would probably watch that too, so that we could talk about it. Would you watch Chris Rock's comedy special if you hear good things about it and it exists on Netflix after the live airing? Yeah, like, and it's just that's on when there? I would watch it. Yeah, yeah. I watch. I, I'm not like a. I like stand up comedy. It's just fine, but I don't watch every bit that comes out. Uh, I think it's pretty hit or miss as a format for me. Sometimes I just don't want to watch a guy standing on a stage telling jokes. Uh, sometimes I want to watch a show that tells a story and has a format and has jokes written into it. Uh, so throughout the years, I kind of go back and forth through stand-up phases. And right now, I haven't been watching a lot of stand-up. Um, but just because it's Chris Rock, and I guess it's a thing, I guess it's a big deal, uh, I'll probably watch a little bit of it. Yeah, yeah stand-up's pretty sure. hit or miss with me, too, but... I'm for sure a hypocrite because I don't really watch that much, like that many comedy specials. Every now and then I'll watch bits and pieces, but I'm, like you, Gary, like sometimes I don't want to just sit and watch one for an hour if if I have an hour. Um, but there is some a little bit of an allure to watching this one live just because it is their first live event like this, and I just kind of want to see. I want to see the technical side of it. I want to see the produ- production. I want to see how it looks, how they how it is. Um, you're curious, I don't know. You're curious about this new format, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, exactly, and you know, be part of the uh, the Twitter Moment live tweet reactions that I'm sure will be taking place. It'll be interesting to see. If it was Bo Burnham <laughs> instead of Chris Rock, I'd probably watch it. Fair, the, fair. The that's last fair. stand-up I watched that I really liked that sticks out in my head was Bo Burnham's Inside, which is barely a stand-up special at all, and it, more of a comedy. Uh, mental breakdown, but I loved it. I loved everything about it, and I want to watch more Bo Burnham. And to me, he's a Netflix guy. Like he's he's sort of from this era, and Netflix has really helped him boost his career. Where Chris Rock is, he's kind of from the the legends, the comedy legends before this. Uh, I think that it would be, you know, it's sort of like they're bringing in Hulk Hogan to do this, even though he's retired, they should be using their young current guy. Who's, who's just a kick-ass comedian. So that's, it's sort of, I'm not really interested in what Chris Rock has to say, <laughs> but I would love to see what Bo Burnham has. Cooking I up. understand. And I, and I get it. Like, especially with inside being a huge, like viral mainstream sensation, I'm sure that a Bo Burnham live special would, 
would do gangbusters numbers for Netflix, I yeah. would assume. Um, I don't know if Bo Barnum would do it. He seems like he likes doing his these produced segments he's doing like inside. We'll see what he does in the future. But yeah, that's a good point. Here his um, next one's called Outside. Oh, nice. I'm really hoping that I don't care who. I hope they orchestrate somebody to run up on the stage to slap Chris Rock again. That'd be really funny. Sometimes the gimmick of Jahan's where he goes like the obvious pun, like the opposite thing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they get me and I chuckle, and then sometimes they make me give you the look that I just gave you. That the the look you just gave me sustains me. Mm. I don't want you to laugh, Drew. I want you to suffer. Oh, oh boy. I've said for uh, years that Jahan is a master of finely tuned comedy and that no one understands what he's doing except for me and him. Yeah. He knows exactly that he's letting you down and he's baiting you in and he's disappointing you, but that's because he's building you up for later when he disappoints you again. Yeah. I want to make your stomach hurt, Drew. <laughs> I want to give you an All ulcer. Right. Okay. 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 Um, well, shall we move into our fresh picks of the week and what we've been watching, what we've been enjoying? Oh my God. So I see the first thing on your list and I forgot that I saw a piece of news today that goes along with your movie and I am so excited to talk about it. Uh, uh, go ahead, kick it off. Well, I, I will talk about cocaine bear, um, uh, <laughs> which is a new release in theaters <laughs> And I did see it, and I mean, it was as advertised. There was a bear. Um, did a lot of cocaine. <laughs> that, that for sure happened. It, it, they do really like to tout in this movie at the beginning that it's inspired by a true story. Um, from my under, so the the basic plot of the movie is there um, is a I guess like a drug lord <laughs> played by Ray Liotta in the movie. Um, he's waiting on this haul of cocaine um, that's in a plane, and something happens with the plane, whatever, and the guy in the plane's having to dump all the cocaine out of it because the plane's too heavy, it's going down, so he's trying to get rid of the load. He gets uh, loads his own flight suit up with, with cocaine packs and then parachutes out of the plane, um, but his parachute is faulty, so he falls to his death, and a lot of the cocaine falls out over this big forest i don't have like the their real locations i don't have it in front of me so i'm not even going to try to be like as factually accurate in tennessee if i'm not yeah like chattanooga something yeah it's some national park so which of course then the cocaine ends up in the in the park uh where a bear finds it and then goes insane and you know mauls people to death and so on and so forth. Apparently what is the the whole aspect of the plane and the guy jumping out with the faulty parachute all that that's all real and the cocaine was located in the forest along with a dead bear that had allegedly ingested um a whole lot of the cocaine. I don't know if the bear actually went on any kind of murderous rampage mauling people to death as seen in Cocaine Bear the movie. Uh, I think they took maybe just a few liberties with that, as you would expect, but that's where the the basic premise comes from. Um, No, I mean, the movie itself, I actually thought was had some funny moments, but it's it's okay. It's very much in the vein of like a snakes on a plane, 
that's all about the gimmick to hook you, you know, having that trailer where you see cocaine bear or having the trailer where you have Sam Jackson delivering the snakes, you know, snakes on a plane line. Um, that was, you know, basically what sold the movie to people was just what, that. What was the yeah. line? There's no plot in a movie like that because it's just about the situation. There's, they're not trying to do anything. They're not trying to get you anywhere. They're not taking you on a journey. They're not, they're not going to make you wiser. It's just about cocaine bear. Uh, snakes yes. on a plane. It's just about snakes on a plane. It's not about the guy on the plane getting back to see his kids. Who No one cares about any of that. It's not about who's going to miss the holiday. It, it, nothing matters. It's about snakes on a plane. Cocaine bear is about a cocaine bear. Yeah, it, it tries to introduce some plot lines with it. Like, there's a mom whose young daughter didn't go to school and no went cares. to the park that day, and she's missing, so she's looking for her daughter. And then there's Ray Liotta, the cocaine gangster's son, um, is also part of, of this. And um, O'Shea Jackson the, Jr. is in it, you know, doing whatever he's doing. And the there's only good yeah, ending to that movie that you could possibly have is for the sudden realization that the only way to defeat Cocaine Bear would be to do more cocaine than he did <laughs> and then beat him up. That's how that movie should have ended. It should have been a pro-cocaine movie. I think that Cocaine Bear should have killed everybody and then his fart explodes and he dies and then that's when like a regular person comes along and finds his body and is like, oh, he must have just died. Surely he didn't kill anybody on a rampage. The, the bear in the film for sure has this like Popeye aspect to it where the bear will like pass out or you think he's dead or you think he's done. And then cocaine will somehow end up next to the bear. And she, she, I should say it's a female bear that is notable in the movie. Um, when cocaine is close to her, you see the nose start going, and then all of a sudden oh, the yeah. eyes perk up, and she's awake, and and all of a sudden like fueled that. by the cocaine. <laughs> I had some friends like that in my like when I was like nineteen, twenty. They were like that man. They if they could just they could sense cocaine, and their eyes would light up, and they would all run off to the bathroom together. There. <laughs> There is a scene in the film where uh, an ambulance shows up with a couple hospital workers, and uh, there is a death associated with that that's particularly gnarly that I really enjoyed. Um, that was that scene was probably a highlight, but I mean, otherwise, you know, you're obviously where nobody's going to this film expecting Shakespeare. Like you're going for the cocaine bear, you're gonna get the cocaine bear, you're gonna get a just disjointed, you know, plot with a lot of different character threads that are. Uh, not very interesting, but when the bears on scene, it's kind of fun. Worth noting, I don't think there's a single scene with a real bear in this movie. <laughs> like, it's always evident that this is a CG bear. Uh, but no, I've I mean, got good news for you, lover of cocaine bear. Today it was announced that a the studio that made Sharknado will be making Attack of the Meth Gator. So, oh if you liked Cocaine Bear, you will love the Meth Gator coming soon. Probably going to be a sci-fi original near you, if I were a guessing man. Love it, love it. Meth Gator sounds um, way better. Yeah, yeah it's got to so, take place in Florida. Yeah, I would say Cocaine Bear. I'll certify it fresh because it's not bad. Like it's it, like I've said, 
it's as advertised. You know, it's fine. There are it got a few chuckles out of me. It's not a masterpiece by any means. It made decent money this past weekend, which is, you know, good for it. Maybe we'll see more cocaine bears in the future or just more batshit movies like this from studios in the vein of cocaine bear and snakes on a plane. Um I mean, yeah, this we'll, is, to me, we'll it's see. just kind of a classic slasher film, uh, except you you switched out the guy in a spooky mask for a bear. Um, and, you know, I think that plays. I think that plays to an audience. I think everybody's having fun with that. That's, there's no problem there. But if you start flooding the market with movies like this, uh, it's going to be crap. They're all going to be <laughs> crap. They're going to be very stupid. I mean, like, Jaws worked, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it didn't mean that we needed 50 Jaws ripoffs. I mean, this plays to the creature feature fan in me for sure. Uh, it very much feels in the same vein of Sharknado, Ghost Shark, um, those kinds of movies. I, I could name more, but I don't want to insult those movies. Lake Placid was in that vein, but a little Lake more Placid. serious. Uh, you know, there's a lot Anacondas. of Anacondas. Anacondas. That's I oh, can't man. say. I think Cocaine Bear, I believe, is a universal release i'm checking on this i'm trying to confirm you can't um, talk the... about anacondas without talking about these snakes out there this big that's something it, it, is, it is universal and the reason i'm the only reason i'm noting it's a universal release is because that's peacock so i think a lot of their theatrical release movies end up being on peacock within 45 days or something like that after being released in theaters like megan is already on peacock uh this will be on there in not too long so for those that are really wanting to see cocaine bear maybe not wanting to go see it in theaters it'll likely be on on peacock in about six weeks so i would say you're probably good waiting or you just go out to the woods and hope you get lucky yeah that too of course lucky you can just bring your own cocaine that way the odds are in your favor be the change you want to see. I don't. I do not uh, support this idea of just. I'm, we're not telling anybody. Push up the box and not advocate the giving of cocaine to bears or any animal, or the buying or of purchasing it yourself and the being in possession of it yourself. Just don't but do allegedly, that. Allegedly, allegedly, even food. though fresh out the box doesn't doesn't want you to do that. Allegedly, I do want you to do that. Allegedly. allegedly. <laughs> Jugs Ben. Okay, okay. Um, I'll kick it off to one of you to, to talk about something else. Kick it off to one of us. I'll talk real quick. Uh, I played a bit of Atomic Heart, uh, fresh on Game Pass. It, uh, I mean, it, it on the face of it, it looks like it's a Bioshock S esque game, um, but oh my gosh! So first off, one of the absolute most grueling. Uh, opening sequences that I've ever had to sit through in my entire life. You can't skip it. Um, for some, so they, they like first you start off on a paddle boat, right? That's cool. <clears throat> a robot brings you a soda. You can accept or decline. Uh, a bunch of nonsense happens. You eventually get off the boat. Takes too long. Then you have to walk. You have to walk a really really long way. Because they could have put the boat right next to where you were going, but they didn't. So you walk a really long way, you go to a place, you have to sit through another thing, you learn how to scan your environment, and then you go on another walk to another building, right? 
and you're instructed that you need to get in this car so they can take you to your destination. In order to get into the car, you have to go inside the building. You go up in the elevator. You get out of the elevator. Almost immediately, someone's like, hey, you're supposed to take this car. Here's the key. (laughs) Then you have to get back in the elevator. (laughs) You're sure making this game sound really fun. Dude, it it was like, seriously, 45 minutes of nothing and then after after you get the car you're go you go on a, a a flying car ride that's really dumb uh yeah it's not exciting you they, have crap views the whole time you're just like staring straight up at the sky or straight down at the ground you have no autonomy of which makes sense if you're in a blimp there's no good di- all the dialogue's garbage uh and you eventually something happens you crash whatever ooh but somehow, after you crash, they put you back in an elevator, <laughs> and then it falls. Is the game trolling you at this Dude, point? All of this. There's so like two more elevators play. after this. Your, your character has like this knockoff Duke Nukem personality that's just yes. flat as hell. Like he thinks he's a badass, so everything he says has to be a one-liner. He's just unrelatable. The game is just. Atomic Heart is so bad. It's, Did we talk it's... about this? No, we didn't. We played this separately. I could have sworn because I, I also hated I, it. I said verbatim that he was Duke Nukem. Yeah, he was a Duke Nukem knockoff. Yeah, it's funny because it's reviewed pretty well. Uh, man, and, and then like, and you go through the game, uh, blah blah blah. Fighting gray and white mannequins. Because... Gray and white mannequins. Combat sucks until you get to the one combat that's kind of hard and then it gets like, it's just like, he just kills you. It's really stupid. And then you get sexually assaulted by a, uh, a box. There's a there's an upgrade box that like upgrades you. And in order to do this, for some reason, instead of just being like, hey, this is how you upgrade your weapons. The box has a like a sexual woman's personality and she tries to take like your virginity like it's it's very aggressive and it, it just goes on too long it's like a groaner it's just and like that's the there's a lot of that humor in there that's not humor and it's not funny and it's just tired duke nukem bullshit yeah it's like i don't know man there's a lot of it and then on top of that the game's kind of subpar so like it's it's a it's a long it's a long walk down a road to nowhere and I, I, I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to try playing a little more and see if it gets better. But, like, my first, like, two hours with it, pass. I'm with you. I took about an hour and a half into that game, and I uninstalled it. I'm not going to get another chance. I did not like it. Um, I didn't love Bioshock, and I think that this is a Bioshock type of game, but it's a really boring, really bad version. Uh, so if I did like Bioshock games, maybe I could suffer through this. Maybe that's why people like it so much is because it's a spiritual successor. But that's not enough for me because it's not a series that I liked that much. Um, that's it. That's my review on it, man. I say it's not fresh and don't pay for it, but it's on Game Pass. So if you have Game Pass, you might as well check it out see what you think. Uh, I did see people complaining about the graphics of it. That's not something I'm ever concerned about in a game. But if you're a person who wants to complain about graphics, there's no ray tracing or whatever in this game that people love so much. Uh, And so 
people who have next-gen consoles and badass PCs were expecting a next-gen game, and I don't think this game is that. So uh, I've seen some notes. Apparently, it's not running as well on Xbox, and they're you know I think some people aren't having issues, but even on Series X, there have been some complaints. So I was gonna wait until maybe it got patched, but uh, yeah, y'all have made it. It's too bad because it was a big Game Pass release. A lot of people were looking forward to, and it sounds like free. You might as well take a shot at it. But like Jahan said, you'll be playing what feels like an unskippable tutorial for about two hours before the fun starts. They don't teach you anything. Uh, but yeah, I, so I was also very excited. This is like one of my most anticipated games of this year. Uh, and I was pretty let down by it. So it does, I mean, it does seem like it has some things that could be cool. Uh, you could do some upgrades to your weapons that seem promising. Uh, there's a skill tree that actually seems like it opens up a lot of combat maneuvers. Uh, so the combat might get pretty cool. Like the first thing you learn is that you can upgrade your axe to, when you hold the power attack, instead of just doing a chop, you spin around in a circle. Like, that's the very first thing you learn, and there's a whole big skill tree. Maybe it gets better. Um, I don't feel like I gave it a fair enough shake, but, like, uh, the, the first two hours are just so bad. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. If, if you don't make an impression on me after that long into the game, I'm not going to keep sticking with it. I think I have the only yeah. other game on these lists, if I'm not wrong. So I'll just get that and one. I've been playing a crap ton of this one, too. We'll get we'll get this one out the way so we can start talking about shows and movies again. But uh, Midnight Suns DLC is out. Uh, you can get the expansion pass. Otherwise, it's like you save like 20 bucks or something if you get the expansion pass. It's fifteen ninety nine per character or... F- Forty nine ninety nine for the pass, something like that. Yeah. So, so if you, you save buy a few each bucks. character separately, you're losing money. You, you save a few bucks, you get some costumes. It's pretty cool. But so they, what's that? Uh, Deadpool's out, and Venom are out. Uh, they're still away. We're still waiting on uh, Morbius and Storm for Midnight Suns. Uh, and so far, so far, I really like. Uh, they kind of seamlessly fit these characters into the game. Uh, they don't feel like add-ons. Really, they, 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 they fit right in to life um, at the Sanctuary. They fit right into combat. Uh, although, I will say, I feel like Venom is very strong. Um, I dominated pretty hard, but I, I, I'm really late game. So, like, maybe they just feel strong because of that. But um, So, I could we could... Let's just do this for a second. Getting into the mechanics of the game, Venom is really strong. He's a solo character who can draw his own cards, but he has flat damage caps. So he doesn't have any X attacks or anything that increases his uh, attack draw or heroism or anything on his stuff. Uh, I mean, you, you can get increased heroism on any card, but he has flat damage ceilings. So he's really good for himself. He has some AOE abilities for himself and some vamp tankiness for himself. Uh, so that slides him in as like a good member of any team comp because he's self-reliant. Yeah. But also, you're not going to get any huge wombo combos out of that team comp. Well, so he, he does what he do. His his one move, uh, eat your brains or whatever, that does so much damage. It does like over 300 damage. Wait until you get the move where there's one that does full damage if they have full health. Yeah. And then I got a proc on it that if they're targeting you, it does more damage. Mm. And so it does almost like 900 damage. If they're at full health. It's just cr- but crazy. again, he's got that flat damage where like Ghost Riders can build and build and get stronger and stronger. But the longer you go on, uh, you can't do that with Venom. 
I yeah, Venom Venom's really good so far. Deadpool is pretty good. Uh, he, I feel like you have to build them right. But yeah, so far they're both really cool. They have cool skins. Uh, Deadpool starts off with a Desperado skin um, and his X Force skin, and then Venom starts off with Anti Venom and then his Demonic Venom skins. Uh, Anti Venom looks sick. That's the one I'm rocking right now. Um, and I think Venom is definitely my favorite out of the two. But Deadpool's dialogue, spot on. Absolutely Deadpool. Uh, he even mentions the fact that he's DLC. Uh, and you get to ask him, like, what did you mean by DLC? And, like, he's like, oh, you know. And it, it's it's yeah, pretty he funny. Goes, he goes, Deadpool lounging on your couch. But you know what I really meant. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's funny. Um, and then it also adds... Uh, what would you say? Three missions for each character? Yeah, it seems like three or four. I'm not. Yeah, that, that, that'd be my guess. Three or four. Yeah, three missions. They have a story. You do Deadpool first, then you got to do the Venom stuff. Uh, there's vampires involved, but pyres with a Y. Uh, that's an important distinction. They are not created. They are grown. They're they're, they're not turned people. They are risen from from dark magic. But anyways. Um, you know, there's a new big bad that comes from that whole situation. Um, all in all, the DLC's pretty good. It really makes me wish, uh, that the main game had been a little different. I always thought that, because much in the fashion of XCOM, like, you have the main storyline, but then you also have to do these other things, otherwise, like, the world will fall apart because you let it give in to chaos. Uh, there's no aspect of that in this game, and that, that made me a little bummed, but still a solid game. Uh, I do like the DLC. I certify the DLC fresh. I do too. I'd say it's it's worth your money. If you like the game, you, you can't go wrong with the DLC. For people like Drew who are achievement hunting, there are more achievements. I think there's like two for each character. No, uh, maybe more, there's more. I think there's like ten total for the two. So oh. I, think, I think there's like five yeah. each. Uh, and it, a lot of those are easy to get if you just go into like the danger training zone. You get achievements for both of them because the one for Deadpool is getting full stacks and the one for Venom, I don't know who knows what it is, who cares, but it's easy when you're fighting a bunch of demons nonstop um, yeah, certified fresh, thumbs up, I hope we get another four character DLC pack and then maybe another one but that'd be uh, cool I'm not, I'm not familiar with other for access games except for Civ Yeah, uh, Civilization has a bunch of DLC me. Yeah, they kept giving DLC and characters for like six years after release. So if we're looking at that for, for Midnight Suns, that could be great. My only complaint, which is a very light complaint at that, is that we see a lot of... We, almost all the Avengers are in this. We've got some X-Men in this, which I like those characters. But there are Midnight Suns characters, you know? It's, it's not just supposed to be four of them. There are like eight more Midnight Suns characters from the comic books that aren't in the game. Uh, and I think that's part of the charm of the game, is getting to see these characters who don't get a lot of screen time. So I would love to see characters like Hellstrom or Werewolf by Night uh, or Moon Knight, people who are actually Midnight Suns and should actually be in the story. I, Hellstrom uh, was uh, on my uh, wish list. Nice. Yeah, yeah it would be great we were to talking get... about it, remember? Yeah, we there's some there's a lot of great picks, right? So you could add any of the Avengers and they'd be a lot of fun, and you could add X Men, they'd be a lot of fun. But I really think that Midnight Suns should add some more Midnight Suns, even if they're not the most appealing characters. 
this is your chance. This is your one chance to do it. This is the Midnight Suns game. Next time, it'll be another freaking Avengers game, and all these characters will be forgotten. So let them shine and let them see their light while they have their, their only opportunity they've ever had. Uh, let's see some more Midnight Suns. But Certified oh, no. Fresh, love it. I was just looking at True Achievement's website, and they do have... There's 105 added achievement points for each new character in the game, so 105 for a Deadpool and 105 for Venom, so over 200 achievement points. Great. But when I went to the True Achievements website, they have a article on their homepage that's 100 gigabytes of patches later, Atomic Hearts achievements seem more broken than ever. So that's another big yikes um, for that game, which y'all just talked negatively about. So it will probably... For me, as an achievement guy, it's going to be a while before I jump into that one because I want to make sure they have all that fixed before I go. Because oh, yeah. I at least want to be earning my achievements while I'm playing it. Well, while we're talking about uh, mediocre and subpar things like Atomic Heart, let's talk about a Netflix show that I accidentally stumbled on called Against the Ropes. Uh, I was looking for Lucha Underground. I was out of town and we had a smart TV and they had Netflix and I was like, let me watch Lucha Underground. Let me let me see let me see some old Netflix wrestling. But I forgot that they got rid of it. They don't host it anymore. It's gone, poof, vanished into thin air. So I should probably keep my eyes out for like a DVD set of Lucha Underground. But aside from that, uh, what I did find when I looked up Luchadors was a brand new show in 2023 that came out called Against the Ropes. Uh, it's the story of a mother in Mexico who is fresh out of jail or fresh out of prison. She hasn't seen her daughter in like six years. She goes to reconnect and her daughter is super into uh, wrestling because her dad's girlfriend, right, which would be the daughter's sort of stepmom, is a lucha and the dad manages the wrestling place. And so the mom starts getting into Lucha Libre to fight the woman to earn the respect of her daughter. Um, and that's the show. And it's not very good, and I don't recommend it. Um, but we watched all of it. Annie and I watched every single episode. Is it in Spanish? Yes, the whole thing's in Spanish. Uh, but I don't think it would have mattered if it was in English. Uh, it's not a great show. But Rey Mysterio's in it. So if you want to watch, like, 12 episodes of a subpar show to see Rey Mysterio say, uh, like, I don't know, I think he says, I think they he chant say Bright Booyaka and... Booyaka, the 619? No, they chant Bright in Black, because that's the character's name. So they're like, Novia Negra, Novia Negra, Novia Negra. So if you want to see Rey Mysterio do that, then you should watch the show. Uh, but otherwise, I'd give it a pass. I've never heard of this before, but I did look it up, and it exists. It certainly exists. <laughs> it does exist. And it's all because I searched Luchador, or Lucha, in, in Netflix that I stumbled upon this, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm not going to call it a gem, but this thing. And then, then we watch this thing. So let me put the ball back in your field, Drew. Did you watch a thing? Well, speaking of Netflix and talking about Netflix things that we didn't think were very good, um, I Love guess it. I'll talk about a film that's on Netflix uh, called Your Place or Mine. This is a new rom-com uh, starring Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher that is on Netflix. It's from Reese Witherspoon's production company. This is a Netflix exclusive. <laughs> and it's not like good. 20, it should have come out 20 years ago. <laughs> to a rom-com with Ashton Kutcher and Reese Witherspoon. What year is this? 
I will give them credit because they both still look very good for their age, but I definitely had the same thought that that you had. And uh, the whole premise is basically Ashton Kutcher and Reese Witherspoon's characters like hooked up when they were young, like had a one night stand. Um, but then, well, I guess not much of a one night stand because they communicated after, but they just became best friends. They said, we, we shouldn't date, but we'll be best friends. And they've been best friends ever since. But he... Ashton Kutcher is like a bachelor that lives in New York on his own. And Reese Witherspoon has a son and lives in, I believe, in California. And they just live very separate lives, but they talk every day. And then um, something comes up and Reese Witherspoon is going to be traveling to New York to do this like kind of once in a lifetime school opportunity to, I guess, finish her degree or get some sort of certification. And it's then unclear. her plane crashes in Tennessee and she does a bunch of cocaine. But the, yeah, yeah the, it would have been a much more interesting movie. Um, and her babysitter backs out, so she doesn't have somebody to stay and watch her kid at home. So Ashton Kutcher's like, you know what? I'll go watch your kid and because uh, he's looking for a change of pace. So they swap and he stays at her house and she stays at his house. So in the movie, it's a rom-com where it's all supposed to be about them realizing that they love each other, obviously, but they never actually spend any time together in the movie. It's all over the phone until like the last five minutes. And so it's just like, I like rom-coms and I do understand you have to suspend a certain level of disbelief to, you know, for these to pay off. Um, But this one was, was really just not working for me. Uh, I did not think this was very good. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not really much much else to say about it. There's not not much to to redeem from it. I, I was pretty disappointed with this um, for even what it was, even going into it with not super high expectations. So I, I do not that. do not recommend it. I love um, everything you said about this movie. What an absolute <laughs> treat! Yeah. So, um, but I do have a movie that I'll talk about that I actually did really like, um, unexpectedly. And this is a new release. It's coming out in theaters this upcoming weekend. It'll be out on Friday. Um, coming out against Creed 3, which is tough. So I don't know how well it's going to do, but it's the newest Guy Ritchie movie. And it's called Operation Fortune, Rue de Guerre. And, uh... This I had seen posters and such for this movie, but I feel like there's been zero marketing for it. Like, have either of you even heard of it by any chance? No. When yeah. I saw it on your list, I thought that it was going to be a French foreign film and that I wasn't going to know anything about this. It is not a French foreign film. This is a mainstream theatrical release coming out this weekend. Directed by Guy Ritchie, like I said, starring Jason Statham, Aubrey Plaza, Josh Hartnett, uh, Carrie Elwes, and Hugh Grant are all in it. And it's Ew. like you're it's it's very um, it's very Guy Ritchie. It's like a spy action comedy. It's Jason Statham is hired by the British government to lead a team to get a technical device called the handle that's going to be sold by billionaire Hugh Grant and Hugh Grant as the bad guy. So yes, Gary, you said you, and I kind of went in thinking like, I haven't barely even heard of this. I feel like it's not getting any marketing. Surely it's not very good. They filmed it over two years ago. It was supposed to come out a year ago and it didn't, they delayed it. I think a part of that is because in the movie, the 
bad guy hired like Ukrainian mobsters or something as part of it. And then the Ukraine war started. And so they thought that, you know, would not be a good idea. And they reworked the movie so that they are not uh, no longer Ukrainian bad guys in the film. I think that's a, a production note there. But now it's finally they oh, debated people not learned from Marvel. You just make up a country. Just, uh, Top Gun Maverick did the same thing. Yeah, like it never said what, who the bad guys are. There's just yeah, bad guys. Just make something up. Yeah, they had to do the same yeah. thing with that movie uh, Phone Booth. About you the could sniper. Just, oh, so there you go. You because, can make any because of the DC snipers yeah. back then. Now. Oh, that's right. There was that DC sniper who was shooting people, and they didn't want that. You're uh, right. I believe it was two. Uh, it was father son. You're correct. Um. So anyway, so this movie, I'm like, ah, this is like getting dumped in theaters. It's actually pretty good. Like, I actually enjoyed it. It's got a lot of, a lot of times these spy capers, like, lead up to one big spy mission or something. But this one has a lot of small missions throughout that I feel like really kept it rolling along. Um, Aubrey Plaza is actually really good in it. In everything. Yeah, I, I like her a lot. And she's trying to break out of, I think, her, her kind of stereotype character role that she's been in for a while, um, which she's really good at, but she was great in white Lotus season two. Um, and now she's in this playing, playing a little bit more energetic and doing some action. And she's like the hacker on the team, um, but she's actually really great. And Hugh Grant is in that stage of his career where he's older and he's fine taking these, supporting characters or bad guy roles where he's fine to make him, you know, ugly himself up and just chew the scenery and have fun. And I really like it. If you've seen things like Paddington two or the gentleman, he kind of does similar things in these where he's just, he's just like having a good time and he's actually a huge standout in it. And like, I like Hugh Grant anyway, in general, um, not like a huge, huge fan, but I generally like him and he's really good in this. So, uh, and Jason Statham's Jason Statham, you know, he's, he's, got charisma he does the action thing it's guy richie so he knows how to film action the punches hit yeah i don't know i just i went into this with super low expectations so they were they were far exceeded i really enjoyed it i think it's going to be totally buried in theaters going out against creed 3 and i just feel like the awareness around this movie is super low um that being said it's pretty good i actually really really liked it Aubrey Plaza was a guest host on SNL within the past couple weeks, and her episode was very bad. But there was one standout scene. I was trying to think if there was anything that stuck out to me as being funny. There was a very, very funny skit where they were like at a maybe like a family and friends dinner uh, at someone else's house, and it was her and one of the cast members doing a a sort of. Uh, you know, like a one of the board games where, like, you guess it, like, I'm going to say a thing, and then you answer the word, like, really fast back and forth. And it's super, super funny. They're back and forth. He's like, the thing that you threw at me last night, she's like, a bottle, forks, a knife, meat cleaver. And, like, she's just going on and on and on with all this different stuff. And finally, like, she, she doesn't get it, and everyone in the room is just staring at them with, like, their jaws on the ground, like all that stuff she threw at you and none of that was right? And they're like, what was it? Oh, he's like, oh, it was our dog. Okay, next one, next one. On the first night we met, I was on and he was like, uh, crystal meth. She's like, nope. Like, uh, on top of a bus. And she's like, yes, next. And so that one was really funny. Just complete absurdism, really crazy stuff. Uh, they're playing it like a normal married couple that really loves each other. Um, 
other than that, not a great episode, but Aubrey Plaza making the rounds, getting her face out there just in time for her movie. But well, the, having the, watched that newest SNL episode, I'm not sure if she ever mentioned this movie coming out. The White Lotus season two won the Screen Actors Guild Award, I think, for like best drama series ensemble or something like that. And so um, she was up there for that. But she actually presented at the awards, too. And uh, Aubrey Plaza and Jenna Ortega uh, presented together. And so they playing off of each other's gimmick of both kind of doing like the deadpan. Um, uh, I would watch that show. It was really fun. It was, it was good. They, they, it was good. They kind of played it off like, why would they pair us up together? And then they do the slow look at each other and then look at the audience and like, oh, I get it. <laughs> you know, um, it was good. It was I good. actually saw it, that it, part. And yeah, it was pretty funny. I think that Aubrey Plaza, I think that maybe my favorite role from her is always going to be Parks and Rec, no matter what. I think she just crushed it and made a big name for herself in that role. Uh, And it sucks that she's having a hard time trying to get away from that. But also there might be something to embracing it and working with somebody like Ginny Ortega, who's a younger upcoming star and doing like a a sister's role or a mother daughter role or, you know, some kind of show with the two of them doing that, I think would have some pretty wild success. She's just been she has been typecast for a bit. And so um, I think I keep mentioning the White Lotus, but she's really good in it. Um, And I think between that and this, um, hopefully she can break free from that a bit. I think that a lot of the White Lotus season two cast are kind of high in demand after the success of that show um, or that most recent season. So we'll see. She apparently she has a movie that was really popular on Netflix for a while. I haven't actually watched it yet, but it's called Emily the Criminal. Um, that she's in, and it's kind of like an action. You know, it has to do do with like credit card fraud, and she's trying to track down the people that, um, yeah, I think took advantage of her or something because the system isn't helping her out. So you know, she's like sticking it to the man. Apparently, it's pretty good. Um, for like an indie drama, I want to check it out, but I just haven't gotten a chance to. But kind of on an Aubrey Plaza high right now. I, I I like her a lot. I do too. Speaking of sticking it to the system, sticking it to the man and the system never working out for you, I still recommend Poker Face this week. I recommend Poker Face every week. Uh, it's on Peacock. It is great. Uh, it's it's still the, the best way I can describe it is uh, sort of law and order if it was breathed new life. Everyone's kind of seen that old detective show format for a long time now, and all those CSI and law and order shows are getting stale. You've seen it. You've been there. The public opinion on police isn't very great right now, and so people kind of want to see a different hero, which is understandable. Um, And I think that Poker Face does that. The hero is sort of the black sheep of society. It's one of the outer fringe people who you wouldn't really recognize. And every episode is her doing one of those blue-collar jobs that you don't question, like, how could she do this job? How is she involved in this cast? It always makes sense. You know, she's always a janitor or working at, you know, cleaning something up or behind the scenes somewhere, working at a catering business. It just makes sense for her to get tied into these different roles and these different uh, types of situations. And watching Charlie, the main character, solve all these things with her uh, immaculate ability to see through bullshit is always so fun every week. Seeing who she'll interact with and how she'll solve it and how it comes around. Uh, I just watched last week's episode, which was the race car episode. Um, and I, I can't say enough about, about this show. I love Poker Face. I really think you guys should watch it. I think our parents' generation would love it. Uh, I, I think it's something really new and fresh about something that they love. Um, I'm absolutely planning to watch this. The only reason I haven't is because my wife wants to watch it too. We want to watch it together, and we've just been 
powering through succession trying to get caught up before the new season so that's the only reason we have it and we only have two episodes left in season three of nice. succession so we're about to be completely caught up um so that will for sure be i think what we move on to after uh once we're once we're caught up there i didn't realize that i knew the star natasha leone she's been in like everything for like a decade and oh she's been like, around for forever yeah she was in like the american pies when we were growing up and i was like holy crap that's her and like, i just didn't realize that she's just been in so much because i feel like this is such a star moment for her she is the show i mean they they if it was anyone else cast the show would fall apart she, she had she a uh a pretty successful Netflix show. It's John's talked about it. What's that Groundhog Russian Day doll? Uh, Russian season, doll. Season one was great. Season two was meh. She was also in Orange Is the New Black. She was. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot she was in that. I mean, she's, yeah. she's pretty much. She never really lost relevancy. No, she was never yeah. gone. She was always around and working. And she was just. I mean, I just never noticed. And here she goes, just another show on her back, absolutely crushing it. Uh, great writing. It's directed by Ryan Johnson, so it's got, you know, a, a, an actual Hollywood director behind the show, which may or may not make a difference. Most of it seems like it's set in the Midwest or maybe the South, maybe like the, the West Texas and then up on through New Mexico and things like that. Uh, so I love the setting. It's something I'm familiar with. I like the characters. I think they're all a lot of fun. Um, can't recommend it enough. You got to go check out Poker Face on Peacock. Will do, for sure, I promise. It looks like we have two Netflix shows left, Jahan. You and me, who wants to go first? Uh, I finished Lockwood & Co. Uh, Gary's talked about it on the show before. I watched the whole thing. Uh, very good. I liked it a lot. I really hope there's a season two. Um, you believe how it ended? Oh, my God. My jaw dropped and I threw my hands on my forehead. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It was a crazy ending. I don't know. It was very intense. Uh, it's a very intense show. It on like on the face of it, if you are just glancing at it, it seems like it's kind of like young adult, uh, and it kind of is. But man, it 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 has some truly terrifying moments. Uh, it has some real horror in it. Um, it deals with ghosts. I really enjoy the way they do their mythology. Um, in their world, the dead walk around at night, and uh, if you touch a ghost, it kills you. Um, the younger you are, the more sensitive you are, and you can actually sense ghosts. Apparently, the adults can't even see them, so like they'll just be walking and die all of a sudden. Um, so everyone stays inside at night uh, after curfew. The kids, uh, the teenagers, are responsible for like running these these groups of ghost hunters that keep the streets safe. Uh, it's a very interesting mythology, uh, and I like it a lot. I really hope there's a season two, so please go watch Lockwood and Co. Um, it's great, especially if you like British, uh, shows, it is pretty British, uh, and if you don't, uh, don't let it dissuade you, it's not overly British, so, you know, Lockwood & Co., I certify this, this fresh out the box. Fresh out the box, I agree. Lockwood & Co. gets a big recommend for me. I think even Connor said he ended up watching it and liking it more than he had let on because he also thought it was going to be kind of a crappy teen drama. Um, but I would say that it has, while it does have some crappy teen drama towards it, it definitely knows that an older crowd will be watching it. So it doesn't, it's not too crappy teen drama. 
Um, their CG budget could use a boost, but their stories are cool. And moving around hunting ghosts with swords is what's up. I'm all about that. Pretty dope. My last show, also on Netflix, is... Drew, you watch garbage TV sometimes, right? Like The Bachelor and, uh, you know, all of those crap I used shows. To watch, uh, I used to watch The Bachelor more regularly. I have not watched it in a while. But yeah, I like, I like trashy reality TV. Love The Challenge, which is not trash. It's great. And Survivor actually starts tomorrow night, and I'm excited. So there we go. So I might be talking to you on this one or any other reality show fans out there. Um... Netflix has The Circle, and they have Love is Blind, and they have another one. But this show, Perfect Match, they take characters and people from all of those shows, and they, they put them in one house. Uh, there are eight people, and you're supposed to find your perfect match, someone that you would leave the show with and marry and stay with them forever. And so, you know, some of the people are decent, and of course some of them are reality show stars, and so they're just like scumbag people who are trash. So that's what keeps the show interesting. So you're kind of rooting for love while there are these just MTV dickheads who also live in the house. Uh, it's not too bad, it's not too trashy like MTV was in its heyday. It's fun to watch because there's characters from the other show, and they'll do like uh, mesh-ups mesh and montages to show you what they were like on the other show versus what they're like now and sort of what you can expect from them if you didn't see the show and the twist of the show is every day the head couple goes into the ranking room and they get to pick either on the day that they go in it's either four guys at the top of the board or four girls and they pull two girls down to go on dates with two guys so you can try to mess up a happy couple that way. You can try to, you know, a broken couple, you can try to fix it. Or you can send yourself on a date and throw a wrench in the whole thing. And then at the end of the night, people have to pair up. So that's where the kicker comes is you get kicked off at the end of the night because people chose to pair with somebody else who might be a better match. Uh, and then there's games and competitions like every reality show. So it's fun. It's trashy. It's, you know, it'll make you laugh. It'll make you be like, oh, they're a cute couple. So as far as these kind of crappy shows go, I recommend Perfect Match. The They released them in, I think, four-episode batches, the first four and then the second four, and then now today, the 28th episode, 8, 9, I guess maybe 9, 10, 11, and 12 came out or something. So we're done. This will be it. I was watching it right before the show. We're about to get off the show, and I'll go right back to watching Perfect Match, and I'll have it all <laughs> binged and done by the end of the night. It blows my mind that the Netflix reality TV show universe has grown enough that they can now have crossovers with their own reality TV shows. Yes, so and they have so many seasons now. Yeah, it's really cool because you've got like, what, five seasons of The Circle. And so you've got like 40 people there to pull from and you've got three or four seasons of Love is Blind. And those start off huge with like 12 contestants on each side. The, the challenge does this now on MTV because, you know, the challenge famously used to be real world road rules, the challenge. So it was always like the real world people versus road rules or and then they started, you know, uh, mixing them all up. And uh, that's where they got the cast from the challenges. It all fed from real world and road rules. Well, now those shows have been off the air for a long time. So they've started reaching out to reality stars internationally from um some American shows, like they have people from Survivor and Big Brother and all, Amazing Race and all those um, 
coming on to it. But even like the UK version of Big Brother the or Survivor Turkey or like other countries reality shows that are popular. And then on top of it, like they had somebody from The Circle that was on a season of... Uh, that's what I was going to say. Recently. Netflix is making those same moves now where the circle is bringing on people from Big Brother and stuff like that. So so they're not sticking to their own guns either. They, I think all, all of those, yeah, all those reality stars seem to understand the network and how that networks. They just get, they just get into a circle of friends and they're just reality stars. It's kind of weird. These, these yep. people who are famous just for being famous. Like, John, how have you know. liked our uh, reality TV corner? I didn't. <laughs> Drew, did you ever watch any of The Circle? I did not. I've watched The Circle. I like The Circle. Do you... Circle, as far as uh, reality shows go, Circle's one of the better ones. I don't mind it so much. Uh, but... I don't know if you remember Joey from like season one, the really, really like arrogant New York, New Jersey guy. Sure do. Who's always flexing and posing in the mirror. He's one of those classic, like, Jim Tan Laundry guys from Jersey Shore. You know the Jersey Shore guy. Uh, yep. He's one of them, and he's in this show again. It's good to see him again after, like, six years of him not being on TV, and he's just as hilarious and trashy as I remember. I, I love those Jersey Shore people. They're very, very funny to me. But I hate the show Jersey Shore. It's very trashy. But meeting those people in real life, they always make me laugh. They're they're very different from the people I was raised around. I love their their type of humor, making fun of themselves and their machismo, their false bravado, that the second you call them on it, it kind of falls apart, or they just get loud about it, and that's all they do. They're, they're just an interesting culture to me, and I, I really like those people. Well, I got nothing else to say other than uh, I'm hooked on reality crash bandwagon but that should be done by the end of the night except then i realized that you could go on paramount plus and watch every season of big brother thanks there you for go. watching there everybody you uh this has been episode 76 of fresh out the podcast don't forget to tune in uh to disney plus tomorrow for the mandalorian season three and oh, i have uh, to pay my rent tomorrow and don't forget to pay your rent tomorrow if yours is due on the first um yeah oh, wait wait I've been Jahananan at RockFact on Twitter. It's me, Casualty CDG. If you like our voices, our faces, our ears, and our necks, then you should check out Fresh Out the Box. That's where Jahan and I play tabletop role-playing games, and we play them with friends, and we play different systems, and we paint miniatures, and we hang out, and we be nerds. And you can come hang out with us and enjoy our sense of humor and our games and our laughs. Uh, if you don't like that, well, then you stuck through this whole podcast, so you must like our podcast. Tell your friends about Fresh Out the Podcast. Tell them to like it. Tell them to rate it. Give us five stars. Just take a second, because ratings matter, believe it or not. That's why actual big stars pander and ask for ratings, is because you need them, and we need them, and we want them, and we want you to touch our ratings with your clicker. Thank you, and we'll hear you next time. I'm Drew Munhausen at Drew Munhausen on Twitter. As we've said, catch us next time. We'll be talking Mandalorian. We'll be talking maybe some Creed 3. And we will catch you then. Have a good one, everybody. Stay fresh.